0: Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 1 this morning. John chapter 1 in the Word of God. It's a joy to be with you here this morning again. And again, my name's Taylor. Glad to be here with my wife, Jessica. And I so appreciate you allowing us to come and to be with you today. And we have followed your ministry from afar for some time now, so it's good to see it uh, in person. And I know that in recent years, you've had some setbacks with your facilities. Uh, but to, uh, just a quick tour this morning around the buildings and to meet you and a sense the spirit of the place. Uh, you're on the up and up and going forward. Once once again for the Lord so we rejoice with you and if you'd like to stand you can go ahead I'm just going to keep on talking anyway so you can feel free to stand for a little while it's okay and I appreciate you allowing us to be with you to today and uh, I am originally I'm at home today I'm originally from uh, I was born and raised in Texas is this microphone on I thought I'd get a few more amens than that I said I was born and raised in Texas amen thank you very much and now we make our home in Arkansas and we've been there for the past five years our fifth year in evangelism so we travel uh, coast to coast living out of our car like homeless people it's wonderful i uh, going from church to church and so we've been in the Houston area all week long with brother Casimir uh, just exposing uh, pastors and churches to the ministry and uh, you won't hear about that on the news on Fox or CNN but God is at work all over this world isn't he and uh, not just Just around the world in Haiti, but right here in Houston. I know you got some exciting plans coming up uh, with Brother David. We're excited for that and we're cheering for you. And uh, I'm looking forward to be back in January, February, and I'll be glad to help him canvas some uh, neighborhoods in that area as well. And so we're just excited for you, excited. Uh, to be here I appreciate brother Cripps and his family and the wonderful ministry here and so I just want to challenge you today from a simple message from the Word of God and I don't mean to be over simplistic this morning but, but if I had to err on the side of complexity or simplicity I'm going to go with simplicity every time amen and so when you see a video like that and you get around brother Casimir I can't help but to preach a message on evangelism and soul winning and so I pray this will stir you up and help you this morning so John chapter 1 verse number 35 the Bible says again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples And looking upon Jesus as he walked he saith behold the Lamb of God don't you love that name for Jesus and all throughout the Old Testament lamb after lamb after lamb was sacrificed for the sins of the people Uh, but all those lambs were just to temporarily cover the sins of the people but when Jesus came in the New Testament and John saw him and said behold the Lamb of God which cometh to take away the sins of the world all those sacrifices in the Old Testament were temporarily to cover the sins but Jesus Jesus came to take away the sins of the world that was a permanent one and done once for all work on the cross of Calvary and when you trust Christ as your Savior the verdict as we just heard is not guilty amen and He goes on to say in verse 37 and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which does it say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. Notice this phrase in verse number 42, please. The Bible says, and he brought him uh, to Jesus. Boy, I like that, don't you? And he brought him uh, to Jesus. This morning I'm going to preach on this subject, bringing people to Jesus father I pray as we open up your word this morning that you would open up our hearts to receive it We thank you for the work being done in, in In Haiti we thank you for the work being done right here in Baytown and the work that's about to be done in Houston Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts We pray for anyone this morning who has come to church, but has never come to Christ if there's one that's lost among us and has never come to you and received you as Savior, I pray that this morning before they would walk at the back doors, Lord, they would make that decision to trust you as Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The Bible never commands lost people to go to church the Bible commands the church to go to lost people and if there is ever an example of that found in Scripture it's found here in the life of this little known disciple by the name of Andrew in fact every time you find Andrew appearing on the stage of Scripture he's always 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 bringing somebody to Jesus in fact the first time we find him in Scripture is right here in John chapter 1 and he's bringing his own brother his flesh and blood uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ the second time you find him in Scripture is in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, that story is told in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it's the Gospel of John, the only Gospel that tells us which disciple it was that went out and found the lad with the lunch and brought him back to the Lord. Would anybody like to go out on a limb this morning and take a wild guess at which disciple it was? Uh, Once again, it was Andrew bringing somebody to Jesus. The last time you find him in Scripture in a prominent place, He is pointing a group of Greeks to Jesus. He's always bringing somebody to Jesus. How many would say, if if, if we too are going to bring folks to Christ and win souls to Jesus, then we would do well to spend a few moments studying the life of Andrew this morning. Would you agree with that? As I said, the Bible gives very few details about Andrew. It tells us what he did. It gives a few details about what kind of man he was. The Bible speaks of his family. He was the brother of Peter. Uh, their father was Jonah or Jonas. The original home was in Bethesda, uh, uh, but but nothing is ever said about Pe- about Andrew uh, being married. Now we know uh, that uh, Peter was married because the Bible says that Peter had a mother-in-law, and nobody in their right mind would have a mother-in-law if they were not married. Amen. And so we know that old boy was married, but nothing's ever said about Andrew being married. He lived with Peter uh, throughout Scripture most of the time. The Bible speaks of his fishing. Uh, he was a fishermen by trade and living in Bethesda and Capernaum uh, both on the northern shore the Sea of Galilee uh, would have made it convenient for that type of uh, business Andrew was in, in the fishing business with Peter and John and James and Zebedee and so the fishing at, and the Bible took place at nighttime so every evening the alarm clock would go off uh, they would put on their fishing gear they grabbed their nets and all night long they would cast the nets over the side of the boat and draw the fish into the boats that sounds to me like he was a blue-collar worker would you agree with that just a blue-collar man hard-working man the Bible also speaks of his following Andrew became a follower of John the Baptist but after John introduced him to Jesus he became a follower of Jesus Christ so the fact that early on in his life he was following John the Baptist tells me that he had a spiritual interest and a heart for the things of God so if I had to stand back this morning and put I kind of what kind of man he was in a nutshell statement I would say it this way Andrew was a blue-collar man who loved his family and who had had a heart for God. Would you agree with me with that t- this morning? You think know, it's a pretty good summary of what kind of man he was. He was a blue-collar man who loved his family and had a heart for God. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like like 95% of the people I'm preaching to this morning. It sounds about like 95% of the people I preached to last week. That sounds like 95% of the people I preached to next week. It sounds like you. It sounds like me. It sounds like just the average man sitting in the church Few across America. In other words, it sounds like he was just an ordinary man that listened to me, did something extraordinary for God. Would you agree with that? And I say this morning? That that encourages my heart. Can I say this morning? God uses ordinary people. God uses common people. God uses regular people. God uses average people like you. And like me, you may be here this morning and say, well, preacher, I, I in high school, I was voted the most likely to succeed. I went off to college. I became the president of my graduating class. Uh, today, I'm the CEO of my company. At one time, I was voted uh, Miss Texas right here in the Lone Star State. Can I say that uh, this to that group of people that are represented here tonight, uh, this morning? Uh, God can use you too. He's just going to have to work a little bit harder. You say, why is that? Because God specializes in using ordinary people, average people, humble people, people like you, people like me, people like Andrew in the Word of God. The greatest thing that Andrew did in the Word of God was bringing his own brother to Jesus Christ. In fact, A.T. Pearson said the great distinction of Andrew was precisely this, that he brought Simon uh, to Christ. When you begin to study Andrew versus Peter in Scripture, you'll find that Andrew is always in the shadows and Peter is always in the spotlight. In fact, 16 times you'll find the name Andrew throughout Scripture and 13 of the 16 times it's written out like this Andrew comma Simon Peter's brother Andrew comma Simon Peter's brother Andrew's always in the shadow and Peter's always in the spotlight but one man put it this way he said in scripture uh, Peter is everything and Andrew is nothing but would there have been a Peter but for an Andrew in other words Andrew never walked on the water Andrew never preached on the day of Pentecost and saw 3,000 born again. Andrew never went on to write any books of the Bible. He never became one of the early leaders of the church, the great apostles of Scripture. But excuse me this morning, Andrew did bring a man to Jesus who did walk on the water, who did preach on the day of Pentecost, who did write books of the Bible, who was one of the great apostles of Scripture. Here's what I'm saying this morning. The greatest accomplishment of your life may not be something you do for Jesus. It may be somebody you bring to Jesus in other words we can't all be a Peter but we can all be an Andrew how many knows the name of D.O. Moody would you raise your hand D.O. Moody if you know the name Edward Kimball would you raise your hand two people in this whole room you say I know D.O. Moody that was a great evangelist who shook two continents for the cause of Christ but who is, Edward, who is Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball was just a simple, humble, faithful Sunday school teacher who one day went to a little shoe store in downtown Boston. And I've been there. It's a staple store today. And he made a visit to a young man working behind the counter in that shoe store that day. And that young man was D.L. Moody. And as a result of that faithful visit and that faithful witnessing opportunity, D.L. Moody was one to Jesus Christ. We can all be a Peter. Uh, we can all be a, a, a D.L. Moody But we can all be an Edward Kimball, and we can all be an Andrew. I'll never forget teaching a teen Sunday school class, and I won't say the state, it was somewhere in the south. And it was teen Sunday school, there's a number of teenagers there. And you can see, if there's a distraction somewhere in the service, I can kind of look the other way and dismiss it. Uh, But this this one particular morning, uh, I just could not look away. There's a young lady, and it looked like out of the corner of my eye, she was sitting on the front row, and it just looked to me out of the corner of her eye, her, her foot was contorted up towards her head. I thought, what in the world? Finally, I could not stop looking, so I had to go over there, and I had to look. And sure enough, and listen to me, if I'm lying, I'm dying. And I was pretty heavy for a Sunday morning. My wife is here. She saw it as well. This young lady sitting on teen Sunday school on the front row was chewing her own toenails. Now listen to me. That's a distraction. <laughs> you can preach through a lot of things. That, that's a rough one. Now, listen, I've never seen anything like that. I hope I never see anything like that again. But listen to me, I have never, I have never, I have never met another teenager who brought as many other teenagers to church as that young lady did. I can call her name right now. You say, Brother Taylor, uh, are you, let me say it this way. If you think if God can use somebody like Edward Kimball, and if God can use just an ordinary man like Andrew in the Word of God, and if God can use some girl who chews her own toenails, then I think God can use my life as well. How many would agree with that this morning? I want to say that God can use you. And the fact of the matter is you may never be an evangelist and preach citywide crusades. You may never be a pastor and impact a community for Jesus Christ. You may never be a missionary and go to a Ford and field and win scores of people to Jesus Christ. But listen, Listen to me. We can all bring at least one person to Jesus. And the one person we bring to Jesus may go on to be an evangelist. May go on to be a pastor one day. May go on to be a missionary one day. You say, preacher, I think God could use me to do something like that. You say, how can I bring people to Jesus? How can I be an Andrew this morning? Number one, if you're going to bring people to Jesus, number one this morning, you must meet the prerequisite. You must meet the prerequisite. You say, what caused Andrew to seek out Peter the answer in our text this morning is simply this Andrew had met the Lord and that inspired Andrew to seek out Peter and to bring him to Christ In other words the only requirement for bringing people to Jesus is that you know Jesus for yourself in fact one man said to get people as far as Peter we must first of all have got as far as Andrew ourselves now listen I'm all for soul winning classes I'm all for reading books on how to be a better witness i I'm all for listening to uh, personal evangelism training CDs, but listen to me, please. No amount of classes that you take or books that you read or classes that you take will ever make up for a lack of personally knowing Christ for yourself. If you're going to bring folks to Christ, then you first must know Christ for yourself. Can I ask you, do you know him this morning? when I got to our church about five years ago in Arkansas my pastor said would you teach a six-week soul winning class and just step by step I teach how to win folks to Jesus Christ and so we had about a 30 of our people sign up for that class and so for six weeks took them step by step on how to lead someone else to the Lord at the end of that class I said if anybody would like to go out on a Sunday morning and just kind of cold turkey knock some doors and and try to engage people in gospel conversations I said I'd love to take you uh, to go with me one man his name was Jesse and Jesse was raised up in our town and and at one time he was a boxer then drugs got a hold of his life and and really devastated him and uh, but one day he got saved and all that changed amen and so he's he's a rougher appearance he's pretty heavily tatted up uh, but God saved him he's a wonderful uh, servant of the Lord today and so he said I'd like to go out with you on a Saturday morning and so we met there at the church and we went over to a, ha- a street of duplexes and I said now brother Jesse I taught you I taught you for six weeks straight I, I, everything that I knew I said I'm gonna get the first door I, I, I'm I'm going to knock on it. I'm going to share the gospel with them. And then you do everything that I say and everything that I do at the second door. He said, okay. I knocked on the door. Uh, They answered. We talked for a little bit. I tried to share the gospel. Didn't get very far. Then we went to the next door. I said, okay, Brother Jesse, this one's yours. You say and do everything that I said and do. He knocked on the door. They opened it up. Jesse began to speak. He didn't say one thing that I taught him to say in that six-week class. Listen, you can't lead people to Jesus if you don't stick to the script just kidding and so he began to uh, go door to door and tell people how sin had ruined his life but one day he met Jesus and everything changed can I tell you something Jesse was qualified to tell folks about Jesus not because he had sat through some little six-week class that I taught on Wednesday night Jesse was qualified to tell people about Jesus because Jesse knew Jesus for himself Listen, I'm for training, I'm for equipping, you know that. But the first step is that you know Christ for yourself. In other words, how are you going to tell people how to go to heaven if you don't know that you're going to heaven? How are you going to tell people how to be saved if you yourself don't know that you're saved? Friend, if you're here without Jesus Christ this morning and say, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm not asking if you believe in Jesus. I'm asking you, have you believed on Jesus? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you're here without if you are here without Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are a sinner. You are separated from God. The penalty of your sin is to spend it be forever separated from God in a hot burning hell. But the good news is that God loves you so much that He sent His Son. Uh, the Bible says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for your sin. He died for you. He bled for you. He was crucified for you he was buried for you he rose again for you and he's alive today and if you would come to him and put your faith and trust in him this morning you could be saved you could be forgiven and you could go to heaven one day when you die if you're here without a relationship with Christ then friend the message of the Bible is come to Jesus so let me ask you a question do you know Jesus I didn't ask you if you know about Jesus I'm asking you do you know Jesus You say, Preacher, I don't think I've ever been saved. I don't think anybody's ever taken a Bible and showed me how to receive Jesus into my heart and into my life. Then before you leave this morning, won't you please let us show you from the Word of God how to be saved. Number one, if you're going to bring folks to Christ, then you uh, have got to meet the prerequisite. Number two, notice this, you must also make it a priority. You must also make it a priority. Notice the Bible says in verse number 41, the Bible says, He first, He first, he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Now here's the point. It's not saying that just that Peter was the first one that he went out and brought, uh, found and brought back to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. That's what it means. But the word first there speaks of rank. It speaks of importance. And so here's what it's saying. It says the very first thing that Andrew did after meeting Christ was to go out and find his brother and to bring him back to the Lord. In other words, whatever was going on at that moment, he laid it aside. Whatever was primary became secondary. And the most important thing in that moment was going out to find his brother and to bring him back to the Lord. I'm not trying to be oversimplistic this morning, but can I say this just as very easily? I believe on that day, the reason that Peter was brought to Jesus was because it was important to Andrew. You're going to have a hard time bringing folks to Christ if it's not important to you. So let me just ask you, and I think it's a fair question. Where at on the list of your priorities in your life does bringing people to Jesus rank? Everybody here has priorities. Work, school, job, church, God, we all have priorities. Where at on your list of priorities does bringing people to Jesus rank? There may be one or two here this morning. It says, Brother Taylor, every time the the alarm goes off and I swing my legs out of bed, my uh, my feet hit the floor, I pray, Lord, put somebody in my path that I can share the gospel with today. Praise the Lord for you. May your tribe increase. There's probably a whole lot more who would say, Brother Taylor, I try to carry gospel tracts in my purse. I try to, when God prompts my heart at, at Walmart to invite folks, I try to do that. I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst. But I'm afraid for the far majority of us. Bringing people to Jesus does not rank at the top of our priority list. It does not even rank in the middle of our priority list. Sadly, it ranks at the bottom of our priority list. Could it be the reason you and I don't bring folks to Christ like we ought to be because it's simply not important to us? Let me just ask you a question this morning as your friend. Some of you have been part of this church for 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years. So let me just ask you, Who's in this church because of you? Everybody okay? I'm talking about how important it's bringing people to Christ. For some of us, well, we need to ask the Lord. Lord, help me make it more of a priority again. Lord, help it to be the main thing. By the way, the mission missions, is the mission of the church not just in haiti i'm talking right here in baytown when's the last time you had a visitor in church when's the last time you handed out a gospel tract at walmart everybody okay i mean it's just baseline simple stuff here it's gonna have a hard time bringing folks to christ if it is not important to us and i love the fact that it was a natural reaction as soon as he met christ his natural reaction was to go out and tell other people you may be as most you may be the most backslidden person in this church this morning But if you're truly saved, deep down in your heart, you're going to want to see folks saved. You may be a thousand miles from God. You may be as cold as ice. You may be living in sin today. But deep down in your heart, you're going to rejoice when folks come to Christ. And if there's never been a desire to see other people come to Christ, I'd be concerned. And I love the fact right here that it started at home. His first place that he went to to share the gospel was at home with his own flesh and blood. May I say that gospel ministry, first of all, it ought to start at home. It ought to start at home. Can I say this, mama? Shame on you. Shame on you. If your daughters grow up in your ch- in your home and when they get 18 years old, get ready to walk out into the world, they can't turn back and say, the greatest Christian I ever knew was my own mother. Sir, shame on you. Shame on you if your kids live 18 years in your house and they walk away saying, not one time did I ever hear my own daddy pray. Gospel ministry ought to start at home. Boy, it has got to become important to us. Notice number three and I'll, I'll be done. Number one, you got to meet the prerequisite. Number two, you've got to make it a priority. And lastly, number three, you must maintain persistency. You must maintain persistency. Little the Bible says in verse number 41 again, he first findeth. Can I just make a simple point here? Here's how this did not go down. Andrew did not find Christ and then all of a sudden uh, reached in his pocket and whip out his iPhone and, and text message his brother and say, Hey Pete, where are you at? didn't go down like that, friend. He didn't whip out his Android out of his back pocket and speed dial uh, his brother and say, Hey, Peter, where are you at? It didn't go down like that. The Bible says that he found him. The fact that he found him in the case that he went to search for him. And apparently, he didn't stop searching for him until he found him. Can I say bringing people to Jesus is going to require some efforts. That means when you have Outreach Saturday every once in a while. I mean, Easter's next week. It means if we're gonna bring folks to Jesus, we gotta go out. The Bible says go out into highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Hey, if you go out, they'll come in. Hey, if the laborers go out, the harvest will come in. Are we okay? It's gonna require some effort. And so it goes on to say in verse number 42, it says, And he brought him. To Jesus and he brought him to Jesus when you begin to unpack that word brought we kind of get an idea of how this whole thing went down the word brought comes from a Greek word which means to drive to lead by laying hold of and to lead by accompanying A.T. Robertson said the use of the word here could indicate that Andrew had to overcome some resistance on Simon's part if we know of anything about Peter in the Bible we know that he was hard-headed he was stubborn he was impulsive I mean, he cut a dude's ear off one time with a sword. I mean, this was a hard, uh, just a hard-headed fella. Uh, So you can imagine when Andrew got there and said, Peter, we found the Messiah, we found Jesus, this is him, come to Christ. He probably didn't fall on his knees and say, what must I do to be saved? He probably said, no thanks, not interested, maybe later, no, 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 no. Listen to me, resistant. But although Peter was resistant, Andrew was persistent, and Andrew brought him to Christ. And I say today, not everyone you witness to is going to be saved the first time you share the gospel with them. Most of you in this room were not saved the first time someone shared the gospel with you. But somebody, even if it was no other human, human means, the Holy Spirit of God stayed after you, and you were eventually brought to Christ. We were home not long ago. We had been on the road for a while. We came back. It was a Sunday morning. A pastor preached the gospel, gave the invitation, and a young lady came and walked the aisle uh, to be saved. My pastor's uh, mother took her and uh, went back to the, to the office area there and took a Bible and led her to the Lord. As they were dealing with her in the back office, it happened to be the daughter-in-law of a couple in our church by the name of Jeff and Tammy. And Jeff and Tammy have been coming to our years uh, our church for a couple of years now, and they are just a wonderful couple, I mean a serving couple I mean a pastor whatever you need type of couple in our church just a blessing to our church and it would have to be their daughter-in-law who came and got saved well brother Jeff was sitting over here on the front pew and I say hey brother Jeff is that your daughter-in-law he says yes she's in there getting saved I said praise the Lord I said is this the first time she's come to church I've been gone for a while and he said she's actually come several times and has heard pastor preach I said well praise the Lord it finally took he said well I I believe the key this is what he said he said I believe the key was Tammy that's his wife and he went on to say this he said Tammy has just stayed after her Tammy's been texting her Bible verses Tammy's been taking her out for coffee and asking her questions Tammy calls him Saturday night to make sure she's gonna be in church the next day and because Tammy stayed after her because Tammy was persistent eventually their daughter-in-law was brought to Jesus if you're going to bring folks to Jesus, you've got to stay after them. I'm not talking about being obnoxious, rude, shoving things down people. I'm not talking about all that. but I'm talking about compassionately and lovingly staying after people and bringing them to, to Christ. Can i to give you one more story. I'll be done. His name was John Broadus. He was the president of Southern Seminary. And in his hometown, there was a young man by the name of Sandy Jones. Sandy Jones was a mentally handicapped young man. But John Broadus led Sandy Jones to Jesus. Whenever John Broadus would go back home to his hometown, he'd always run into Sandy Jones, and Sandy Jones would always say the same thing. He would say, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I'll never forget you, John. And telling that story, John us would go on to say, he says, When I get to heaven, the voice that I most long to hear is that of my Savior saying, Welcome home, John. But he says a second voice that I most long to hear is that a Sandy Jones saying, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I'll never forget you, John. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that you, you had just a small part in bringing somebody else to Jesus? I want to say this morning you can. If you meet the prerequisites, if you make it a priority and you maintain persistency, God will use you and me to bring other people to Jesus.